I take refuge in the truth. I take refuge in seeking for the truth. I take refuge in those who embody the truth. So we're continuing with the gateless gate with the Mumon Khan. We are now in case 27. Now the Mumon Khan and these koans are always about truth. They're not about doctrine. They're not about shoulds or oughts. They're always pointing at visceral truth. Okay? So this particular koan, the case 27, a monk came to the great master Nansen, Nanchuan in Chinese, and says, is there a fundamental truth that has never been expounded for people? Or is there a truth that has never been spoken? Nansen says, there is. The monk said, what is the truth that has never been spoken? Nansen says, it is not mind, it is not Buddha, it is not beings. Sometimes it's translated as, it is not things. Not mind, not Buddha, not things. Mumon's commentary. At the question, Nansen used up all of his personal treasure immediately and became quite debilitated. The verse, scrupulous care dissipates your virtue. No words truly have an effect. Though the great ocean becomes a field, it cannot be communicated to you. So is there a truth that has never been spoken? So the, the first question with every koan is, how do I relate to this? How do I make it real for me? And one way we might make this particular koan real is by saying, you know, I've read lots of Dharma books, I've heard all sorts of Dharma talks, I've surfed the internet for information, and I'm still not satisfied. Is there anything that will, that's beyond all these things that I've done? Is there anything that will touch me more deeply? That's one way you might look at it. Um, or the classic phrase in Buddhism is that Zen Buddhism is beyond words and letters. And so this monk who's asking the teacher says, well, if it's beyond words and letters, well, what is it? You know, can you help me? Have I missed something? Or another um, way of looking at this koan is somebody comes forward with kind of an opinion about things, an opinion about what Buddhism is or what Buddhism truth is, what they're in their own self-importance in their kind of challenging trying to, to stump nonsense so they can be right. So with each koan, it's important to translate it into such a way that it makes it personal. Otherwise, it's just a story. Otherwise, it just has nothing to do with, with your heart. So all koans have to do with the nature of our own heart, the questions of our own heart. And questions are important. But fake questions that come from the mind aren't very helpful to anybody. So there are some traditions that encourage people, if you want to go and talk to a teacher, or go to an interview, or go to Sanzen, then you've got to come up with a question. And you come up with a question, and the teacher has an answer, and gives some answer, and everybody's happy that we've just done this particular little dance. And it's kind of fake, frankly. Unless there's a real genuine question, one that, that, is, that comes from the root. 
there are time for questions, of course. And sometimes there, there's one Sufi tradition where they emphasize really digging down, digging down, digging down, digging down, digging down to what is the essential question of your life. That might be worth asking, worth asking, asking yourself. So there's a time in the, in the student-teacher relationship which questions are really important as we were kind of trying to figure out how to practice and working with some stumbling areas. But then there's also a time for great confidence. You know, it's not always a matter of one person knows and the other person doesn't know. I mean, that's, that's a kind of a frozen relationship. That's really what you want is you want colleagues who are able to meet at the nature of mind. The other aspect of questions is so often we have a question that we haven't really asked ourselves. So often people will come to Sanzen kind of nervous and they just look, bring up a question they'll have something to talk about. Um, that's the, not particularly helpful, although it does give them something to talk about. Um, but often if we, have a, if we have some deeper questions, why am I suffering so much? We have to really ask ourselves that. We have to really look, look into the, the nature of our own experience. And often it's not our experience it's our interpretation of our experience. So we are sitting, we're sitting with a posture, my posture hurts, and we think, why is my posture hurting? Well, we know the body has no opinion about it. The body just has sensations. You know, you may have a sensation of sharp shooting, but the mind has all kinds of opinions about, it. oh, I don't like that, I don't like that, I don't like that, I don't like that. So the distress is not of the body, the body just does what bodies do. The distress is of our our attitude toward it. So when we really seriously ask the question, why am I suffering? And we begin to really look and see, what do I know the answer to be? It's, it's usually not in the thing itself. It's usually in all of our cogitation. It's usually in all of our mentation, all of our fantasies about what's going on. Now, in this particular koan, A student asks a fundamental question, and Nansen gives both a statement, you know, so he, he, he answers the question, here's a statement to answer your question, but it's a radical answer, and the answer is no, no, no. So he says in the koan, no mind, no Buddha, no things. So by mind, we mean consciousness itself, no consciousness. No Buddha, no ultimate truth, no things, no world of people and stuff. What kind of answer is that? No mind, no Buddha, no things. It's a really radical kind of answer. So if we're working on the koan, then we have to actually look and see, well, what it does exist? Who am I? What is the nature of the world? And we have to look underneath each fact and each opinion and each judgment to see what are our views about it. So if we say no consciousness, and we have a view that my thoughts are my consciousness, is that true? Do we really look at our thoughts? Our thoughts are, are what's conscious? What's conscious of thoughts? What's aware of thoughts? 
Well, we say, what's aware of thoughts? And we can't find anybody that's aware of thoughts. Are thoughts aware of themselves? Well, that's an interesting answer. So he says, no consciousness. And if we look directly, what is this thing we call a consciousness? And we try to investigate it directly with our own intimate experience and see, what do we see? What is conscious in me? That in itself is a whole koan, a whole, whole question. And Nansen is saying, any conclusion that you come up with about your consciousness is this or is that or is whatever, is not right. It's not true. There are assumptions there. There are assumptions about the world is outside. That's an assumption. We have to investigate that assumption. There is no things, so that means that the world is outside. Well, what is the assumptions that I say that the world is outside? What are the underlying beliefs that I have that says the world is out there and I am in here? And we have all kinds of rational things about causation and other people are, are independent agencies and everything else. But if we actually look at that question, we think the only thing I'm actually aware of is my hearing, my seeing, my thinking, my feeling, my knowing. I'm not aware of what's going on or anybody else. And if all I'm aware of is my perception, why do I think that there's something outside of my perception? Interesting question. So this particular koan is a radical koan. No, 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 no mind, no Buddha, no thing, no consciousness, no ultimate truth, no, no relative world. Now, the way to work on a koan like that is you can work on the, the same way that people work on mu, the koan mu, a monk in all seriousness came and asked the great master Joshu, is it true that even such a lowly thing as a dog or I like to translate it into a, a rat, a diseased rat, has a true nature, has a Buddha nature, is whole and complete. How about me? Is it true that even such a, a person as myself, whole and complete, has some, some essential essence to it? And Joshu says no. No. both the know itself, the way he says it, and the inquiry, okay, it's not a thing, if 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 it's not a thing, what's left? Does, do I have a thing? Is there a thing? Can I find the thing that is my true nature? These are radical questions that really look into the nature of reality, that look into the nature of our own mind that really investigate our assumptions about the world. If the world is good or bad or up or down or right or wrong, it really looks right at the basic assumptions that we have about ourselves and the world. And we can't answer that, these kind of fundamental existential questions with any opinion about them, with any assumption, with any preconceived notion of how they're going to turn out. Because 
Any preconceived notion is a limitation. Any preconceived notion is already a box that we're trying to put things in. And these fundamental existential questions have no box they can be put in. And the direct vivid experience of them, the, the revelation of them, is not a thing. Normally, we, we ask questions of, you know, should I marry this person or take this job or go someplace else? And we kind of expect a yes, no, or maybe answer, or, or we expect a sympathetic ear, or we expect kind words, or we expect some agreement. But this particular koan especially is not interested in any of those expectations. It's not interested in anything about us being satisfied. It's not in interested in anything that we happen to feel is safe and secure. It's a radical question that cuts through everything. Often people say, I don't trust you, and it means I don't trust that you're going to agree with everything I say, or I don't trust that you're going to you know, support my views. This particular koan is a, has only one trustworthy feature, and that is the radical investigation of everything. It's not this, it's not this, it's not that, it's not that. It's not even knowing this or that. It's not even knowing this or that. What's left? What's left? No mind, no consciousness, no awareness, no Buddha, no ultimate truth, no true nature, no thing, no relative world, and all the relative stuff. Is there a truth that has never been taught? No mind, no Buddha, no thing. How could that be taught? And in a way, the only teaching that this particular thing points to is the radical inquiry into the nature of truth, the radical inquiry into the nature of who I am, the radical inquiry into the nature of who I think I am, how I think the world, world is. And part of practice is to sit down, stabilize the mind, become fully present with the most real thing, as I was talking about earlier, which usually is your direct vivid sensation, is usually the most real thing, whatever that happens to be. Become aware in that because the direct vivid sensation of your own being has no opinion. That's all ephemeral. And when we take the if that which is ephemeral as real, we begin to dissociate from what is much more true. And then as we stabilize ourselves in this present moment with a clear present mind, we can then do this deep inquiry. The fundamental spiritual question is who am I? Who am I? I'm not my body, because my body is always changing, and it's not the same body I had a few years ago. And I'm not my thoughts. My thoughts are changing incredibly fast, and I can think anything. I can have 42 opinions about the same thing in the course of an hour. Not my emotions. They surge, and they go up, and they go down. I'm not my situation, not my clothing. All that, it just changes. All that changes. Well, who am I? What is, 
What is this thing I call myself? What is the thing that I feel has some continuity between today and yesterday? These are important, fundamental, existential questions. And then, what really is important? Is there something that's really important? Is there a right action I should be doing? Can I know what that is? Without saying it should be this or that, can I even know that there is such a thing as the right answer, the best answer? How do we know that? Our minds love to, to live in the past and future, love to live somewhere else. But what do we know about the future? Absolutely nothing. We kind of predict that the way things are is going to kind of have some inertia for a while. But we don't really know what's going to happen next. So when we say, is there a right answer, that means that somehow, is there going to be a right answer in the future? Will this answer I, I give right now or will this action I give right now lead to the expectation that I have about what will make me happy and satisfied and complete in the future? We can't know that. How can we know that? So this particular koan is asking us to, to look, 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 look. Who am I? What is important? What is, what, is, um, what is the right action to take? One radical answer is it can't be known. You know, there are questions that can't be known. And to, to answer that from the intellect is easy. But to answer it from the deep heart of, I can't, this cannot be known. All I can do is rest in the mystery. This cannot be known. I do not know what's going to happen next. This cannot be known. All I can do is be present right here in the mystery and see what arrives, see what comes to me. There is a, a famous um, koan of a master named Joshu in Fa Yin. And Joshu was at Fa Yin's monastery and he was deciding to leave to go on a, a pilgrimage. And Fa Yin asked Joshu, he said, where are you going? And Joshu said, well, basically, I don't know, wherever the wind takes me. And Fa Yin said, not knowing is most intimate. Not knowing is most intimate. When we can actually take these questions and bore down and let go of all the assumptions that we have, to shed the assumptions and assumptions and get down to it can't be known. And we're intimate, intimate with ourself, intimate with this life, intimate with this present moment, mysterious, ungraspable, and yet vividly alive, always alive, always surging, full of juice, never born, never dying. Never born, never dying. We don't get there by knowing. We get there by going through all of those fixed ideas we have and into the great mystery itself. This koan has a, a little, many, many of the, the koans in this book are just excerpts of a dialogue. Here's the more complete dialogue. Nansen came to honored priest Pai Chang 
Pai Chang asked, is there a secret and supreme dharma which has not been expounded for people by any of the holy ones in the past? Nansen says, yes, there is. Pai Chang says, what is this secret supreme dharma which has not been expounded for people? Nansen says, it is not mind, it is not Buddha, it is not things, beings. Pai Chang says, you have expounded like that. Nansen says, just that is my exposition. How about you, honored priest? Pai Chang says, I'm not a great Zen master. How can I know whether or not there is a Dharma that has never been expounded for people? Pai Chang is a very great Zen master. Nansen says, I don't understand. Pai Chang says, I have already explained it fully to you. This, not I, this Pai Chang is, is one of the great, great, great masters of, of ancient China. So I'm not a great Zen master. How am I supposed to know anything about the Dharma? I'm not fixated on a particular role or body. I don't have a particular idea. How can the fundamental truth ever be put in a box and known? And nonsense says, I don't understand. How can it be understood? He was also a great Zen priest. How can it be understood? I don't understand is kind of the, the affirmation, the agreement with Pai Chang. It's been explained fully. Not knowing is most intimate. And the way that we, with our ordinary Selves is just to simply look into each thing that comes up. Every time we have an opinion, or we get angry, or we get afraid, it means that there's an opinion in there that we are somehow right, that we know. And just to investigate that. Anger does not come unless we're righteous. Fear does not come unless we have a, some predicted outcome that's going to, that we think is true. And those, that righteousness and that predicted outcome of fear are really, they're just ideas. They have lots of holes in them. The opposite is often just as true as the fixed ideas. So as we're doing Zazen, we let go of, fixed, of the, the ordinary life, the ordinary thoughts. We go into the direct stabilized mind. And then we can look at what are the fixed ideas I have about meditation, about my life, about liberation, about um, awakening, about anything, and to see what is true. And then when we get to a place, all I suggest is that you simply pay attention to what seems most true, rather than the ephemeral thing, what I think might be true. And most true usually comes back to our direct sensory experience in this moment. So not knowing is most intimate.